Thank you for tuning in to What's the Tease. Today, I am joined by La Dolce Vita of Burlesque, Jolie Papillon. Welcome to the show, Jolie. Hello, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. Um, how was my pronunciation on that, by the way? It was really good, actually. <laughs> well, don't be fooled by the name, folks, as you're originally from the town of Federico Fellini in Italy, where your inclination for performance led you to the Bernstein School of Musical Theatre in Bologna. Mm, that's right, yes. Seeing as burlesque has been credited with having its roots in Europe, I'm curious, was the art form covered in any capacity in your theatrical courses? So um, when I started uh, studying musical theatre um, by the late teens, um, let's say um, yeah, between 18 till 20, 21st years of age, um, there, wasn't, there was no, no burlesque or cabaret really um, involved in the studies. It was uh, it's a proper formation into the musical theatre, so the uh, disciplines of singing, acting and dancing and broadened to aspects of a uh, few disciplines of dancing and few disciplines of acting and singing and so on. Uh-huh, gotcha. To your knowledge, why do you think burlesque has been left out of these teachings? Um, I think um, when I went to do musical theatre at this particular, this particular school, um, I wasn't looking for a school that was teaching me burlesque. But um, to answer your question, I think they were just focusing on the musical theatre and the, let's say, the traditional way of uh, musicals. Uh-huh. Totally understandable. <laughs> However, I do see, I, I can completely uh, see, you know, the relationship with, within uh, musical theatre and influences from musical theatre into what we do because it's all connected, it's all performing arts. So I guess also one of the reasons why I got, my, you know, in, in the world of burlesque is because, you know, you know, it's all connected with the world of performing arts and uh, it can take a lot of elements that I've studied and which is what I do and put them into my my act my burlesque act indeed like sort of a natural progression absolutely yes so when you moved to London you were attending dance and singing auditions which subsequently had you come across burlesque so after research into the subject you joined the burlesque troupe the love muffins oh my goodness how do you know that <laughs> yeah i do my research i can tell so that's a very funny story actually because um yes that's absolutely right i came to i moved to london and um i was doing loads of all sorts of uh, dance audition or singing auditions and um and once i came across it was actually a job more than an audition uh, they were looking for dancers to join a troupe a dance troupe and um 
the name wasn't involved yet at the time <laughs> and um, so I went and it was a lot of fun it was just a, a you know it was open to anybody uh, who wanted to get together have fun it was all levels of dancing and they just wanted to use elements of burlesque and uh, get together and rehearse sometimes with the um, hopeful aim to get some some gigs <laughs> um, yeah and that's how I actually come to meet one of my close friends at, still at, at, to this time, to this day, um, who uh, was also a ballet dancer at the time. Yeah, we got picked, um, they once introduced, uh, introduced us to a promoter who was looking for two dancers to, uh, to perform at a club and we just got um, the job. So we ended up doing this uh, burlesque inspired routine <laughs> in in a club and it was a lot of fun so that's I guess my first introduction to burlesque. <laughs> so how did your experience being part of a troupe like the Love Muffins influence you as a solo artist? Well let's say that that was um, a, uh, a one-off situation because after, after that gig nothing really happened it wasn't um, uh, the, the lady who was running it um, moved to, I think, Manchester, and uh, she just gave up, you know, um, following up with the with the troop. So I just carried on with my life, and um, and then suddenly um, I, you know, I got a bit more interest into burlesque. I, I started watching some uh, some videos uh, and going to see some shows. But it wasn't until a few months later when I saw there was an audition for a burlesque show, uh, which I went to, that I got into performing and building up my my solo um, my solo career. I went uh, again. I wasn't really sure what I was doing because my introduction in burlesque from the Love Muffins wasn't really. <laughs> wasn't really something uh, substantial let's call it um, but uh, it was really interesting because uh, when I did the auditions they were looking for dancers to join the uh, the productions not for burlesque dancers necessarily so um, they invited me to do um, a, a New Year's Eve show where I just had to dance which was you know I felt I felt confident with because I didn't have to come up with a solo act or create anything that I didn't know what I was doing <laughs> but I was yeah I was um, performing with another dancer and they choreographed a couple of duets for us which were sort of like vaudeville style and uh, very cabaret so that's that was my first proper burlesque show let's say and uh, from that moment within space of two months or so the company asked me to um, be part of be part of it and as a as a dancer and as a stage kitten at the time as well and because I just loved the atmosphere so much and I was I wanted to be part of it somehow I just I just I said yes and I started to get to know more kind of you know organically more about the burlesque world by uh, watching by being in a show and uh, all the backstage moments and talking to other performers. It was just so fascinating. So that moment um, lasted about two, two months or so. 
um, and it wasn't until the February, so that was New Year's Eve, and then in February, I was asked to to fill in a spot uh, for Burlesque Idol. So the company was running a competition, uh, which I wasn't aware of, and uh, pretty much last minute, one of the uh, performers dropped out. So I had about, I, yeah, I was asked about two weeks before the competition to uh, if I wanted to join. And so, um, so you know, it was very scary, but I thought maybe this is what I need to, you know, to start because I've, I've always felt like those two months with, the co with this, working with this company, with this show, it was so nice and it was something that I was really attracted to. And I thought, you know what, maybe this is my life telling me, you know, just give it a go, just try, why not? So were you performing as Jolie Papillon um, at the UK Idol competition? No, 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 no. So where no. was she born from? So that's exactly it. So when I was asked to do um, to take part uh, in the competition, uh, I had to come up with everything. Like I had to create everything from scratch. Because up until that point, I was just a dancer. <laughs> um, I was just part of like, you know, the production and or stage kitten. Um, so yeah, quickly within two weeks, I had to create a choreo, a, a costume, and the Jolie Papillon came from that because from a combination of things, uh, let's say that I've always had uh, a love for butterflies and I've got um, a small tattoo on my lower back, there's a butterfly, and I just really love the metaphor of the of the caterpillar becoming into a butterfly, you know, to revealing a true self. So I thought it's almost like, you know, it's almost like that, isn't it? And because my act was based on on that, on a butterfly, uh, so I was revealing halfway through my wings. Um, so it felt natural to have, you know, some you know some sort of butterfly in the name. Um, so I looked at, you know, I did my research, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't getting a name that somebody else, you know, maybe quite well known had already, which I'm glad that I did, <laughs> because there's a, there was already a well-established performer in the UK called Butterfly. So, so yeah, I played, the, I played up a little bit with combinations and I came up with, with the French name because I thought it was, uh, it sounded uh, it sounded lovely and it kind of um, mirrored my, reflected my personality in a way as well. So that's how I was born. Awesome. So <laughs> it rang more true to you than Farfalla? Yeah, because also I thought, you know what, Farfalla would be very lovely. However, I think British people are going to struggle to say that. <laughs> And it was right. <laughs> so <laughs> you reckon Papillon rolls off the tongue better? <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> well, I have to say the Afrikaans version is not nearly as sexy. What is it? It's Skunlapan. Oh. <laughs> it's still got something, something exotic about it, though. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> so sticking with the butterfly theme, it's a great segue into my next question. If you could compare your process of creating X with the mm. metamorphosis of a butterfly, what elements play a role in its life cycle? Um, there's different roles and different aspects of creating an act. 
Um, and I think in the metamorphosis, you know, that um, there is that strong element of the struggle, of the struggle from the caterpillar to become a butterfly and finally, you know, open their, you know, its wings and, and, and just have that freedom in a way, you know, not in a way, it's definitely freedom because from a, from a caterpillar, you know, transforming. And I've seen metamorphosis with my eyes when I once went to natural museum and it was amazing to watch a caterpillar, you know, becoming a butterfly. And it was, it was that's what really struck me that that struggle. And I think in, um, in creating an act, I mean, in burlesque, we, we can variate from many different things and um, we can send whatever message we want with our work. And I think that's something that is so incredibly powerful and liberating at the same time. And one can choose to, to be whatever they want to be on, on stage and to, and to you know, send whatever message they want to say. It doesn't, you know, sometimes it can, can send something that is really profound, but sometimes it can just be about you know glamour and beauty and that's okay you know so we still bring in people into our own world into our you know our own reality so yeah i guess the the metamorphosis is that is the struggle that we have within us in order to create what it really is that we want to communicate um which sometimes can be uh, influenced by anything around us and you know often we create work that that comes from our heart but other times you know it's work that it may be influenced because you know maybe something more commercial more appealable to a general public because you know it's kind of like um, you know pleasing our, our audience so I believe that both can coexist Absolutely. I mean, we are in the business of entertainment after all. Mm -hmm. So having traveled and performed across stages in Europe, in your experience, how does the burlesque industry in Italy differ to that in the UK? I'm not quite sure how the, the industry in Italy is uh, in terms of burlesque, in terms of performing arts in depth, because I was, I moved in, in the UK uh, when I was 22 years old. So, I mean, the reason why I moved is because there wasn't much going on in terms of entertainment. Uh, or certainly if there, there is, there is entertainment, but it's not well retributed. It's not people, uh, I, I've seen people's reaction when they ask uh, performers what's their job and if, you know, one of us replies, you know, I'm a dancer, I'm a singer, I'm a musical theatre performer, a, you know, cabaret artist, whatever, they'd go, you know, they, the second answer, a second question would be, what's your real job? <laughs> Which is quite heartbreaking. And it goes, you know, it really goes to show what's, you know, the perception of, you know, Italian people towards, um, most of Italian people, general public towards entertainment and performing arts. You know that's that's why i moved here i couldn't really make a living of you know uh, working in a, in entertainment industry by living in italy mm -hmm. unfortunately <laughs> yeah so speaking of your travels you were cast for akalia's production the art of burlesque at the casino de Liban in lebanon in 2015. oh yeah yeah how is or was burlesque received by the audience in the middle east 
a part of the world known for having regulations around what is deemed appropriate attire and behavior for women. Mm, yeah, that was an incredible experience, actually. And I think I still think that I didn't quite understand what I was doing up until, you know, years later, <laughs> because it felt it felt surreal. It felt um, amazing at the same time. And um, almost revolutionary, you know, in a way, to be able to bring such a show to uh, Liban. And uh, it was received very, very well. We had a very uh, respectful audience who then, you know, I, I think they didn't know what to expect, but they I felt like they knew they were really respectful towards uh, coming to see a show. They knew they were coming to see a theatre show. So they really made you know, you know, they were so happy. They were so, uh, their faces were, you know, were pleasant, you know, what do you call it? Um, yeah, pleasantly, uh, pleasantly surprised. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can tell it was, uh, you know, it, it was a, a different a reaction that, you know, they didn't expect to what they were going to see. You know, we had, we had Chris Columbine uh, playing the piano and doing a striptease at the same time. We had, um, you know, yeah, exactly, Avi Page hosting. So we had a really high caliber cast and uh, yeah, it really, it was, it was amazing, it was an amazing experience <laughs> to be able to be there. That's really incredible to hear and credit to Akalia for putting on that production. So mm. the thing that I love about Burlesque is that it breaks so many boundaries. However, it has to be presented within the right context. So even though people may not be sure exactly what it is they're about to see, when the details are taken care of in the environment they find themselves in, there's a much better understanding as to what is being presented. Yeah, that's so true. It's really, really true. And you're right, Akilea really did an amazing job in order to make sure that, you know, the, the audience was appreciative and realized that, you know, we were all professionals on stage and, you know, to showcase us at, at, at our best and with the, all the promotion, all of the, um, yeah, they did a lot of, uh, of uh, promotion in, and the way they presented us on, on stage as well. It was, it was really sophisticated. Well, I'm so glad to hear how well that show went down in the Middle <laughs> East. Pioneering frontiers, as per usual. <laughs> Your style certainly leans towards an authentic homage to the golden era of burlesque and cabaret. And in a previous interview, you remarked on how burlesque costumes have changed over the years. How has RuPaul and drag influenced the fashion of modern day burlesque and vice versa? Mm, interesting. <laughs> well, let's say that um, everybody is kind of, I mean, it's obviously because I live in London, so it's this, you know, I can see this reality is um, especially this reality, but I can see how much TV and, you know, RuPaul, Drag Race and uh, even uh, other <clears throat> incredible TV programs like Strictly Come Dancing have really influenced um you know, our world of burlesque and we all had to step up our games and <laughs> and kind of like add uh, more rhinestone and make everything um, looking more expensive, you know, whilst I feel like a few years ago when I first started, we could get away with having a really, still a really good costume, but perhaps the 
the, the talent, the uh, charisma was, you know, the main prime thing. Uh, whilst now, because we're surrounding, we surrounded ourselves with uh, so many different artists, and we are compared with what's going on in TV, uh, we all need, we needed to, you know, up our game in that in that sense in the burlesque fashion. <laughs> Well, either way, it certainly influences each other. And I think that's only for the better. Yeah, I believe that too. It, yeah, when art influences art, it can only mean good things yes, for the world. Yes, that's, that's so true. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. <laughs> Back in 2010, whilst starring in a show at the infamous uh, Madame Jojo's, you met Betsy Rose. I did, yes. And you've said that a couple years into burlesque, you had been nurturing the idea of creating your own show. So is Gin House Burlesque, which you co-produce and star alongside Betsy Rose and Missy Fatal, the realization of this? Um, let's say that when I when I met Betsy Rose um, was at the very beginning of my career. It was one of the first performers I've met, and that, that's how also how French our friendship started. Um, and I think it was like a gradual uh, progression, and that, you know, it was quite organic. That um, the closer we got, and um, the more we were working together, we were you know weekly we were working in the same in the same scene and. Uh, sharing this, the love for very similar eras like the 20s and 30s, the 40s and you know same interests so it was quite natural for us to um, when we got together we, we had the idea of uh, creating our own show um, that we wanted to do that and, uh, that what, and it was so clear that our intention was to recreate something unique at the time for the London burlesque scene, which which you know became Gin House Burlesque, and we wanted to reproduce that kind of bygone era uh, where all of the things that we loved were basically put together and uh, you know in a in a very sophisticated way, but at the same time that was really um, delivered in a way where we could really interact with the audience. Incredible! I'm really looking forward to seeing that show one day. For sure. Oh, I can't wait to bring it back. Hopefully, if this pandemic pandemic allows. Okay, so I just got to do a little fact check here. I have heard that there is a very specific timeline of the prohibition era that Gin House Burlesque channels. Can you clarify when exactly that is for me and the masses? Yeah, I mean, like people are generally like it's late twenties, thirties. But nobody seems to really know. <laughs> it's 1932. <laughs> it's very specific because it's that moment where we're coming um, to the end of the prohibition. So, um, yeah, we, we decided to go for that that sort of uh, time because you know it's, it's that time where we, we, we didn't want to do like a, another Gatsby show if that makes sense we didn't want to be either too generic or um, we wanted to create something that was uh, on the edge between the 20s and the 30s and that, that just felt right it felt like when people started to you know to really parting you know more even more widely and um and to really bring that uh, that um wave of music which is is really specific it's not just 20s it's more to with you know alongside the, um the jazz 
sorry, where the jazz becomes a bit more free, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like the Viva la Revolution. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for setting the record straight on that one. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so I had the privilege of seeing you headline at the Montreal Burlesque Festival in 2019. Oh. Those were the oh, days. Those were the what days. a time. <laughs> it's there where I bear witness to the dynamic nature of a Jolie Papillon performance from swing to fan dance and the can-can, which brought the house of well over 500 <laughs> down. So, like, what skills as a showgirl do you employ when engaging with a large audience like at a festival or party like Gatsby Show versus the intimate yet enthusiastic audience at Gin House? Interesting question. <laughs> I never actually thought about it. Um, it's something that um, I think it just comes out of you or me, or as in, like, you know, when you're performing, um, I think... I personally feel that I just tone myself to the situation. However, you know, when it's a small, intimate circumstance, it's so, you know, it feels so precious and so intimate and it's full of small nuances as opposed to, you know, a large stage like the one in Montreal, Burlesque Festival. And um, on that stage, it felt incredible because I could finally dance my kankan full out without like worrying to knock a table or you know or, <laughs> or falling off stage or whatever but yeah I think it's always related to your audience and I feel in burlesque and in cabaret there's this amazing game where it's the what you give you get back and vice versa is this this relationship that you create with your audience that that creates the atmosphere that you know increases your performance both in quality and as well as energy so yeah um, in terms of like performing in a, on a massive stage i think you know the more you give then you get back and you get them you know i remember that massive roar uh, you know it was it was incredible and i feel like you need to do more but like how can you possibly do more <laughs> I will just say this, that what you delivered that night on the stage and the roar that came towards you from the audience was a mirrored reflection of the amount of energy that you had just given to us. Mm. Yeah, you know, I think that that will just live on in my memory for a very long time. I mean, not only because Baby Ray was performing mm. that night, but also being in a space of that magnitude and just having the audience be behind every single performer that came on. It was a truly special moment. Yes, it's true. It, they, they really were. And I was so, so shocked in a positive way of how, you know, how well they responded to everyone's performance, but personally to mine, because I felt that what I was bringing, it was um, st style-wise, it was a bit different than what they've seen so far on that stage, on that occasion, on that date. And uh, I wasn't sure, it, you know, that because I felt like I was dancing so much in my act, I wasn't sure if that was going to be appreciated as much as other acts where, you know, there's more eroticism involved, there's more tease and, you know, 
so yeah it was uh, it was really really amazing amazing experience like you say i'll never forget that <laughs> <laughs> well i'm really glad that you have that moment in your career to reflect on and yeah i'm sure there are many more and there will be much more to come as well so as the cover girl for Tiggs Rice's award-winning burlesque photography book, Strip Tease, do you have any advice for performing artists who are accustomed to expressing themselves through movement on how to translate that energy or character in a posed or still photograph? I think when I, when, when I uh, collaborate with photographers and especially with amazing photographers like Tiggs, it's really it comes very easy because the, you know Tiggs, for example, has got this um, really uh, confidence and calm and um, about herself, and she she really helps you to to be to feel good in your own skin, you know. And she's really good at <clears throat> helping you with what looks good and what makes you makes your body look good, you know. Enhances your your um, your qualities, your your features. One of the things that helps me posing, I guess, in you know, when I'm model for photographers, is that um, the costume really helps me. Whatever I wear, if it's not costume or lingerie, helps me. Uh, but mostly, I feel that it's um, as a dancer, I I kind of know what you know what looks good but at the same time it's you know remembering to elongate the lines to elongate your posture and not just to sink into that um, that posture um, and often you know I love to imagine that I'm in one of those old movies from the from the 40s the 30s the 40s and uh, you know it really helps channeling that uh, golden era <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, one can see that as the image that or the vision that is in your mind is definitely reflected on the page. Mm. Yeah, I think that when you really create a good, you know, a good relationship with your photographer, you, that really shows in your in your final results. And Tiggs really knows how to bring out the best in her subjects. She really does. Yeah. <laughs> With the hand we have been dealt in 2020, I imagine an in-demand artist such as yourself has never seen your calendar looking quite so pale. Mm, true. How are you getting through it and what are you working on for 2021? So during this time, I've been, um, I've been doing uh, one-to-one online classes. And that came from as a result of wanting to uh, still be connected with with the performing arts and the um, the fact that I I always um, I always got a lot of questions of um, of teaching you know asking people people were asking me to teach them but because of my calendar was quite busy like you said um, I could never really focus on that aspect so um, it's been actually quite nice to finally have the time and you know and and create that space where. Um, on a daily basis, pretty much, I see performers, younger performers, newer performers, who want to still work on their on their um, burlesque career or in the cabaret, and um, helping them, uh, kind of mentoring them, encouraging them, and trying to uh, give them different ideas of how to explore and create an act is really 
helped me as well during this time because I always feel like I'm quite resourceful or I'm a quite motivated person. But uh, this, you know, this pandemic has been a massive challenge on everyone and having to, you know, knowing that I had uh, somebody to motivate and to inspire and to pass on everything I could to help them to achieve their dreams, it's been, it's been really, really powerful um, and a really good way of passing, you know, this time in a valuable way. So that's been one of my main focus um, and I've been doing a few virtual shows, but I had a lot of resistance towards that, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I understand. Mean, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it felt like, especially at the beginning, it felt like part of me didn't want to accept what was happening. And uh, I definitely didn't want to accept what was happening. And I just couldn't couldn't believe it. And And I didn't want to, although I'm a person that, I feel like I adapt to you know to circumstances this was so unusual I just felt so much um resistance to adapting and to even to to give myself the time to think of what what is it what does it mean to adapt what that what do I need to do I don't want to give up my career I gave so much of my time you know into creating my my world you know because I don't feel that burlesque for me is a is a business mainly but it's a vocation you know it's like performing arts for me is a vocation um I don't you know I don't have working hours and I'm sure loads of performers can relate to this you know I don't have nine to five or whatever but um it's a constant work and um and it's you know in a, in a pleasant way as you know I'm not saying it's <laughs> it necessarily feels like a burden at all but um, I didn't want to, I didn't feel like I could just give everything, everything up and start something different. So, you know, starting slowly to understand what it meant adapting and what, you know, um, what else I can do that it creates value for myself and others um, was a way better kind of attitude towards, you know, um, kind of uh, getting through this, this weird this weird time that we're living mm-hmm. i mean i can imagine that the hope for 2021 is to get back on stage in some capacity but until that point where can we support the work that you are doing thank you well we um we're kind of on a hold with everything aren't we um so for me hopefully the first thing would be a resume gin house gin house burlesque soon yeah, I don't, I don't really know because loads of there was a few things in the pipeline, but they kind of kept m- being moved and then slightly, you know, getting cancelled. So it's all a bit unsure. But um, yeah, if you want to, you know, um, yeah, support, follow. Yeah, exactly. Like the usual, you know, it's always amazing. You know, every every uh, every way we can, you know, support each other by following and showing appreciation and just like you know um hopefully people will be able to come to see shows very soon so that'd be amazing and in the meantime as i said because i'm i'm teaching one-to-ones i'm creating some uh cute workshops that hopefully people will find motivational as well 
So that's what I'm at at the moment. And then hopefully by the end of the year, we'll be able to perform. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes to that. Awesome. So on that note, I'd like to thank you, Jolie Papillon, for joining me for this episode of What's the Tease? Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was really nice chatting to you.